0: Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. Joining us is Mo Robinson. Mo is the superintendent at Summerlee Golf Club and the consulting superintendent at Western Trent Golf Club. Both facilities are in Ontario, Canada. Mo recently wrote an outstanding article for our Turf Heads takeover issue, and the article had absolutely nothing to do with turf. In the article, Mo describes her personal battle with anxiety and how she's been able to overcome the challenges she's faced in the last decade plus. In addition to the article, we also thought it would be great to bring Mo onto the podcast. Mo is more than willing to discuss this subject and her goal is to help whomever she can by telling her story. Well, Mo, thanks for joining us. It's awesome to have you on the podcast and you kind of have a dual role. You are the superintendent at Summer Lee Golf Club and the consulting superintendent at Western Trent Golf Club. Just explain what your job's like and how you structure your days and weeks
1: yeah uh yeah having two clubs is definitely uh it's been an interesting challenge this year i am um, i'm the full-time superintendent at summer league golf club in in port perry and ontario and uh i was asked this year if um i could step in and uh, be a consulting superintendent at western trent as uh one of the workers there was a friend of mine that's worked for me um at two different golf courses actually and she uh Gave the owners, my name, and saying that I might be the person to help them with their club. They have a, a low budget and they have a hard time trying to find somebody to come there that can maintain their golf course with with such a little amount of money. So I was kind of a a good person to come there, and it, yeah, it's been a pretty cool experience. I I spend one day a week at Western Trent, and the, the rest of the week I spend at Summerlee. But I find I end up back and forth a little bit more than than I was expecting, but it's it's pretty cool.
0: And Western Trent's a nine-hole golf course, right? So you get to see the differences between operating an 18 and nine-hole.
1: Yes, definitely. And and it's interesting because it it doesn't really seem to matter if you're at an 18-hole or an executive or a nine-hole. It's all the same challenges. It's just a bigger or smaller scale, really.
0: So we're recording this podcast in late November. Explain what the job entails this time of year, and what are you focusing on as the heart of the Canadian winter approaches?
1: Uh, this time of year in Ontario is kind of this. This year in particular was a little strange as uh, snow came in super early and uh, kind of drowned out all the fun of doing some of the projects I had intended on doing. Um, it was uh, generally this time of year I focus on course hardware and just getting it going. I I don't work year-round at the clubs that I'm at, so I um, usually by mid-December is kind of when I leave. Like, my club isn't, like, I don't have a heated shop. I don't have any of the fun luxuries of most golf courses. So uh, I tend to, I take the winter off, and and I get to go hang out with my family, which is what I focus on in the winter because we're all so busy in the summertime.
0: That's kind of interesting. So you spend the winter uh, away from the golf course, but I bet it's still probably on your mind for a lot of the winter, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I go out for walks to the golf course um, throughout the winter just to kind of go and we'll have thaws and stuff like that where I'll go out and go for a walk on the course just to see how it's how it's going and, and how the winter's treating it, which generally at my place isn't very well. So it's more or less just baiting myself for the horror of spring, but it's okay.
0: <laughs> when do you get back at it?
1: I usually come back around the beginning of March and – there's still snow on the ground, but um, I start kind of just getting everything planning all planned out for the year, and yeah, by that point it's usually I'm ready to go, so I'm kind of out there and i I'll start some of the projects that maybe I couldn't have gotten finished, maybe clearing some brush or, or um, I have a lot of areas. This is it, it's Summerlee's an older club; it's 40 years old, so it's not too old in the world of golf, but it's uh, you know not exactly young, so uh, it was unmaintained. In areas that seem to really affected some of the areas that create the the microclimates and the problems that I run into, so I've I've done a lot of tree removal and stuff like that to try and alleviate that in those shoulder seasons. So that's generally where I kind of focus my time.
0: Mo, how long have you been in the golf industry, and how would you describe your route to getting to where you are now?
1: I have been. I was 20 years old, so. Yeah, it's been 13 years now that I've been in the industry and I uh, I started just as uh, a summer job with a couple friends. I was working at a factory and I hated it and a couple of my friends got uh, a job at a golf course down the street and they were like, "Come work with us. It'll be fun and and we'll go out and we'll just have a blast." And and so that's how it all kind of started and I um, it was ironic that two years into working at that club, the, the superintendent had left and uh, the assistant had taken on another role. And so we had a consulting superintendent that kind of took me under his wing and, and I, he showed me how to do irrigation and, and all kinds of things that year. And it was really interesting. So I, I went to school and took the, um, the short course in Guelph. And um, from there I was... The assistant for four years. I moved on to a couple different clubs and yeah, eventually I took over a superintendent role at one of the clubs that I was at. When my superintendent left, he recommended that I take over and and yeah, since then I've moved on to Summerlee and, and I hang out there and that's where I, I like to have my most fun.
0: <laughs> I've met a few people in the industry who have previously worked in factories and are glad that they made the career switch what type of perspective do you have because of the, the past job that you have? I mean, what was it like going from working indoors to outdoors?
1: Oh, I had the issue of indoors was terrible, absolutely. I, I'm not I'm not in any way an indoor person. I, I love being outside. I'm the person that looks at every tree and every butterfly and every piece of grass. I'm in the world while I'm outside. And uh, so working in the factory just drained me. It made me feel so out of touch with what's going on in the world and and then when i I went out and i worked on a golf course i just thought wow i can't imagine ever going back inside again i can't i can't picture a life where i I have to be inside the entire time it's just it's just so draining and
0: and working on a golf course obviously has some huge challenges when did you start realizing that golf course work was a bit challenging and could be a bit stressful
1: I feel like right away because i was I was the assistant to a consulting superintendent, so he was only there one day a week kind of uh, that's kind of why i had taken on that role of um, of the consulting super at Western Trent because i had been in I've been familiar with how that is and um, i I kind of had to hit the ground running i I had nobody there to really mentor me on a day to day basis, so I kind of had to. And decide for myself at that point what was important and what wasn't important through the weeks, and it was really, it was really intense.
0: <laughs> Do you feel like you handle the rigors of the job better now than you you did about a decade ago?
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, but uh, you know, a lot's happened in my life that has um, made me have to slow down and 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 take and take days as they come instead of sitting there worrying and thinking about all the the different problems that could come up. and Instead, I, I've gotten to a point in my life where I have to sit back and, and think as opposed to just always being very reactive because if I don't, when I get anxiety and and then I and then I can't function, I just don't um, have the ability to make proper decisions. So I feel like the fact that I do have anxiety is probably the thing that keeps me grounded the most now because...
0: Mo, well, you just brought up that you you've experienced some challenges with anxiety over the years, and that was one of the major reasons we we're having you on the podcast. You wrote a wonderful article for our Turf Heads Takeover issue about your anxiety issues and how you've been able to handle them and how you've been able to strengthen yourself through this process. What convinced you to write an article about this?
1: I feel like it's such a topic that's so so relevant Yet so pushed aside and and I'm not saying in society necessarily, but inside people everybody everybody experiences anxiety, and everybody at some point in their life has you know something that's going to come up and whether it's you know a, a form of anxiety that's very mild or a very aggressive form, everybody has to go through it, but there's that element of fear involved when I talk with people about it I'm very open and easy to talk with and I find that um many people open up to me a lot more about the struggles that they have than they would with most other people and so that kind of made me think hey maybe if I write an article maybe it'll be a starting point for people to hey maybe they'll start talking to me about it and and then if they you know feel comfortable talking to me maybe they'll feel comfortable talking to someone else I'm some perfect stranger that you can send a message to, and and I can respond and kind of, you know, guide you through some ideas that I've had in my time, but I thought maybe if I do an article like this, it'll open up some more people to talk with other people about it and feel comfortable that, you know what, everybody, everybody goes through stuff, and it is hard. It's not easy, and and for me, it's easy to talk about it because it doesn't, it's been a long journey. I've been battling anxiety since I was 20, and so, uh, I mean, I've had a long time of, learning how to cope. So I find I have a calmness about it that I can help people. And, and I'm just, ah, I really hope that this is something that, you know, if it changes one person and helps them, then that's perfect.
0: How would you define anxiety in your own words?
1: Mm. Anxiety is the inability to let go of that which you can't control, to me. Um, anxiety is caused by, like, manifestations within you, that are <laughs> it's just ruminating thoughts that that really they, they take control over you and, and the reality is is that you have no control, and you have to let go of that and if you let go of that and realize that you don't have control, then then you can just let it go. But anxiety is something that because you can't, it's just these these thoughts that crop up and they stay inside you and, and you know, it's, it, it could be something as silly as where am I going to go for breakfast or something as intense as, you know, um, how am I going to live through tomorrow? So there's just so many, so many things that anxiety is, and it's so different to so many people. But in general, I feel like it's, it's an inability to let go is, is the main causes of anxiety.
0: Is it related to stress or is it something completely different?
1: Well, it can absolutely relate to like stress in particular. I would say stress is like the step before anxiety. Like you can be stressed about something, but you don't have to necessarily feel anxious about it. I feel stressed about things all the time in my life, but they don't always lead to anxious thoughts. It's just a matter of how you control your stress, really.
0: In the article, you describe your first panic attack. What do you remember about that, and how has that sense shaped you?
1: I'd say that's everything. The, my first panic attack is everything. It it absolutely, that changed my whole life. It was um, the most horrifying moment of my life, to be honest. And um, I, I just, I, I had a friend of mine that had cancer, and she battled it for four years, and it was kind of one of those things that we assumed that she was going to be that person that beat it. She was, you know, the most popular girl in school the valedictorian the prom queen the the most beautiful person i have ever met in my entire life and when i lost her to cancer it was devastating and um i i woke up one day and i just my heart was racing and my my hands were numb my feet were going numb i i had these weird like sensations radiating down my arms and and through my body and i had no idea what was going on and it got it's so much worse because I was thinking about what it am. I I honestly at one point thought I was dying, so I I went to the hospital and I got um, I got looked at in an emergency because I honestly I I thought I was having a heart attack. There is no other word to describe it. You you feel like you're going to pass out. You feel it. It just really is like the feeling of death. I really had no idea, and and when I found out it was a panic attack, I. I had no idea what that meant and how long that would take to really heal. It's it's still something. It's once once your brain triggers that fight or flight in a negative way that um, it's un it's not used to. You um, you no longer can have the ability to discern what is good anxious and bad anxious anymore, and and then you live in this fear of. Is that going to cause that panic attack feeling again?
0: What were the days, weeks, and months like after you left the hospital?
1: Tough. I, I like everybody else, was terrified. I didn't know, I didn't know what to say or do or think for so long. I. My body was in complete turmoil it It was not sure I, I feel like my body wasn't sure what happened it, it It was something that had never happened before and and the recovery from that is is monumental. I had great friends and great family to talk with about it, and I just really didn't and I sat there on it and I'm a super strong person. I'm the independent one. Everybody comes to me when they have problems, and I'm that voice of reason. So for me to be that person that now can't... I can't seem to find how to function on my own. And so I went to the Internet, and I looked up all these different scenarios as to why I had that happen and what exactly it really was. And once I started reading about all the symptoms and all the things... And you know, I went. I went to my family physician, and he gave me uh, medication for depression, which it's is a total necessary beast in in certain situations. But for me, it didn't work. It it made me unable to sleep at night. Um, I tried a couple different ones, and I just I couldn't find a way to bring my brain back to where I thought it should be, and I still haven't. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> something that years can give you, you you never really do, I think, fully change back to, let's say, the person you thought you were prior to this incident. And, and it took me years before I could, before I could feel comfortable in my own skin in most situations. I'm a big music fan. I couldn't go to concerts anymore because it was just too overwhelming. I, I got to a point that I, I felt so nervous of having a panic attack that I couldn't go to my grocery store because I felt like, okay, I got to get in there, but what if I get in there and something happens, and what if this, and what if that, and what if that, and that's that ruminating and that, and, and that unrealistic expectation of something horrible to happen is, is what you ride on, and that's, that's what holds you still. And I find it was, it was years before I felt I could really talk about it openly with people and and have an understanding within myself enough to be able to, to let them know what it actually felt like and how I was feeling.
0: How did this creep into your work life? Did you bring some of this with you to the golf course or was the golf course a haven for you?
1: I feel like the golf course was definitely it was definitely a place to escape. I was lucky to have worked with great people that I, um, I was super comfortable with them in telling them about this. I don't know if it was that it was outside that family-friend realm of people that know you and can be the person that says, oh, you're fine, don't worry about it. You're, this isn't you, this isn't what you're like. But at the golf course, it was kind of I could just say, hey, you know what? This is how I feel right now, and I I i was very open about it, which made work a safer place because I find most people are, you you know, they don't want to feel weak, they don't want to feel different, they don't want to feel like they're not good enough, and so they don't they'll battle through a day when they should have just stayed home and stayed in bed or sat at the beach or whatever the thing is that centers you and grounds you and and makes you feel okay because that's what you need to do. And so for me, the golf course, absolutely. Some days I would be there and I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't be happier that I was at the golf course instead of somewhere else because I could focus my brain and kind of lose myself in the job instead of, instead of being. But then that can also turn into an issue if that's where you go and you lose yourself in your job and you're not giving yourself the space and time to feel the things you need to to get past it is is something I I have learned over the years. So I absolutely still to this day like some days I'll, I'll I'll come in and I'll tell you know my staff what to do and how to get going for the day and and then I say you know what I'm I'm not having a great day I'm just going to go. Sometimes I leave for an hour. Sometimes I'm gone for the whole day. But in general, I found the golf course to be a place to focus my brain and and. Um, and just sometimes I would just sit and revel in nature, I, and that's probably what, more or less, it wasn't necessarily the job or or the duties or, or the responsibilities, but the, just the reality of just being grounded out in nature that, that made the golf course a little bit of a safe haven for me.
0: Initially, how did you go about telling your coworkers and bosses you were having these issues? Was that tough for you, or was that easy for you to go to other people and let them know what's going on with you?
1: It was easy for me when I got to a point that I was able to tell people. That's, I mean, it took a little bit for me, like I said, to, to really fully understand it for myself first before I felt like I could explain it to somebody else. But the, I think the the most defining thing in, in anxiety is being able to talk about it and let it go. Because if you... You can't hold it in. So for me, it was easy to walk in and say... I, 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 ironically in one of my interviews as an assistant superintendent one year, I, I, I was so straight up about it, and I thought, you know what, either this is going to, you know, get me, like, kicked out of this interview, and he's going to say, I don't want that quack in here, or it was going to be, you know, wow, would, it, would it open an open and understanding person. And I, I just straight up said, you know what, I battle anxiety, and some days I just can't bring myself to, to come into work, or some days I need to just leave and... and that's something I battle with. So I just, I'm so open about it now. And, and in any interview situation or anything, I, I just bring it out because I don't find it a weakness. I, I find it a strength that that I do have it in me to be able to understand myself enough to, to be able to choose whether or not I can have the mental capacities. Because it, not everybody can do that. Everybody tries to be so strong for so long. And, and that's, that's when you run into panic attacks. If, if you can learn to know you have an anxious thought or an anxious feeling and all these stresses and stuff like that, and, and be able to openly speak about it with, you know, your, you know, coworkers or your boss or, or the general manager or your board of directors, I feel like they have this level of understanding that you didn't think they would. And if they don't, it's, it's unfortunate because there is some people out there that really just don't, they've never felt it and they never will because not everybody does uh, feel like the big panics and the big the big anxiety surges and stuff like that. So I find it kind of upsetting that, um, you know, I, I hear people say, oh, yeah, but then they, my boss told me just like to shrug it off or just, you know, we still need to do this anyway. So don't, you know, just get it out of your head, which is, you know, it's unfortunate, but I find it's it's easy for me to, to open up and speak about it because then I no longer feel handcuffed by it. I don't feel like, oh, my gosh, now I have to go into work, and I feel like this, but I don't want to tell anybody, And and what will my boss think? What will my staff think? You know, like I'm lazy or that I don't care or that, you know, I just have no interest in being there when in reality it's, you know, to be open and say to my guys, hey, you know what? having a rough day and, and if you guys ever are, you can come and tell me that too. And and I found that to be a benefit realistically.
0: Now that you've studied this a lot and have gone through it personally, do you feel like there are things about working on a golf course and being a golf course superintendent that trigger anxiety?
1: See my anxiety was mainly triggered by outside stressors. I kind of work at a golf course that's so relaxing. And uh, I don't have a lot of the the big stresses that some people have when when I sit down and I talk with other other superintendents about it, and they tell me about the things that trigger their anxiety at work that are you know member driven uh, expectations and stuff i I really have low expectations out of my members, so when they come up to me with certain things i I only have a certain list of abilities that i can um, i I can use there so i I really don't have as many of the uh, stressors that lead to these anxious thoughts but I I see where other people get the the scare of okay well I'm never going to be able to uh, I'm never going to be able to create that condition and and these people need that condition and I did have it at that one point and like and now I'm having trouble trying to get there and and you know why can't my staff ever come to work on time, why is that person never, so you know, interested in doing the full job, why don't, they? and those things can add up over, and over, and over, and, and for certain supers, it's like, it, you could go out on the course, and you're like, man, I have told them a thousand times, I want the rakes in the bunkers, as opposed to outside, or vice versa, and, and that could be something that could trigger an anger, and, and an anxiousness, that, in and it makes you feel out of control, and that's, that's the thing, is that, that everything that I seem to hear from a superintendent that causes them all of these horrible feelings is, is a lack of control in an uncontrollable environment And, and, and learning that is, is probably something that, you know, is the hardest part of everything is, is learning that you don't have control. We work in a natural environment. We work with people. You can't control people. You can influence people. You can't control people. And, 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 that's something I find is probably the biggest trigger for everybody out there.
0: What type of support system do you think exists in the golf industry? Is it a very big and open support system, or do you feel like the industry needs to do a better job of talking about and communicating some of these things?
1: We have an industry that is so tight-knit, and it is fantastic in the way that everybody supports everybody in so many different ways, and it is growing in this manner um but i feel that the reality is most people if if you don't have somebody that you feel comfortable with talking about anxiety and stress then it's such a closed door to to what's going on and i think this industry is starting to open those doors and people are starting to they're starting to actually invest in themselves enough to understand that you know you need to have friends in the industry that you can bounce these thoughts off because maybe you're sitting there thinking I'm the only one that feels this way about this or I'm the only one that feels this way about that when in reality it's such a a commonality, the different things that that we go through and there's always somebody out there that is going through the same thing as you and if you open up that door and, and speak about it with people, you'd be surprised how many people come back to you and and tell you like, wow, I, I you know, I'm glad to hear that you deal with that as well because now I realize that I can speak about it with my friends and it's the doors are opening slowly right now, but I feel like it's a very it's a very golf is such a boys club and men do not want to talk about that stuff as often because it's a sign of weakness to some or or something like that. Not that I'm saying women are, are much better at it necessarily, but I feel men they're very, you know, they're much more guarded about it and that's that's our industry is mainly, you know, very strong-minded men that don't that don't show their weaknesses and and unfortunately that's what leads to these these issues. So it's it's nice to see certain people I've seen Casey Cough open up recently on Twitter about his recent uh struggles with losing a friend and and going through the the terrors of the, the anxious and the panics and the, and you know all the bad feelings and it's nice to see somebody with status kind of open up because I find that once someone like that does that maybe maybe someone that's a you know just a you know a maintenance worker sees that and says wow like okay if he can be open and vulnerable maybe I can be open and vulnerable so it's neat to see the way that the world is is starting to open up to that and I feel like the golf industry has such a great support system for so many things in so many ways of our lives that this is just the next step of, of us getting together and being a better brotherhood of, of people.
0: Besides openly communicating your situation with others, what are some other resources and tactics that have really helped you over this decade plus?
1: For me, I, I really, I found something that I loved and when I was feeling really off, or feeling you know where I was just I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I I choose music. Music is something that I can throw in my earbuds and I can go for a walk and listen to music, and it just kind of you know maybe I, I try to pay attention to like a specific instrument while I'm walking, just to give myself a certain focus. And I think whatever it is that you like, your hobbies or or your things in life that you like to do that that generally tend to be what center and ground you. So it's kind of um, I, I listen to music, I bake, I, I do things that keep myself busy, that give me joy. And, and that was something. And, and recently I, um, I was invited to the PEI retreat, and we talked a lot about mindfulness, which Paul McCormick and I have talked about mindfulness uh, him and I, kind of, um, over the last like year or so, and I feel like that that is one of the best tools out there. Now that I'm, I, I'm not great at it yet. I mindfulness is is a way of focusing your brain and and bringing you to the present moment to to make you sit with yourself, with your thoughts, with your feelings, and sit and let that stuff happen, let it wash over, let you feel the things that, that are going on in your head and it gives you the space and the calmness to, to help combat the the amount of thoughts that go through your head It's and um, it's, you know, it's a meditation but, I mean, not meditation in the sense that I'm trying to transcend onto cloud planes on other planets or anything like that and I find when I talk about meditation with certain people, they think I'm, you know, trying to tell them that they need to have this spiritual journey or something like that, where it's absolutely nothing like that if you don't want it to be. Um, mindfulness is just a way of sitting with your thoughts and sitting still and, and listening to yourself and, and letting yourself be calm and present. And and that's, I think, going to be a huge tool for everybody. It, it is, for me, it's something I'm, I'm really just learning how to do, so I, I wouldn't be... Um, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in any way, but it, it, just sitting there and, and making myself um, making myself sit with my thoughts, it's, it's tough. It's not easy, and, and that's, I think, the part that will drive people away from it is that it isn't easy. It's, it's hard. All of this is hard. Nothing about it is, is an easy journey, but the more you work on yourself and the more you put some some effort into trying different things to give yourself – you know, that ability to have that space, whether it be a walk, maybe a ride on your boat, maybe, maybe you're just standing next to a tree looking at the, you know, the bark. I, it, it could be anything and everything. And so just finding that in you, that, that place, that happy place that you can just go and, and give yourself some time, I think, is, is the main concern.
0: For our listeners who aren't familiar with Paul McCormick, Who is he, and what has he done to help other superintendents?
1: Oh, Paul McCormick is fantastic. He is, um, he writes a blog for, uh, TurfNet called The Mindful Super. He, uh, he has gone through very similar things. You know, he's had panic attacks. He understands the, 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 rigors of anxiety, and, and he's a golf course superintendent in Prince Edward Island at Fox Meadow, and he's also the general manager of that course. And, um he has reached out to everybody with his blog and in, in being vulnerable and opening up about mindfulness and and the stresses of our jobs and the ways to to incorporate mindfulness into your life to be able to overcome. He he really is a very nice, calming soul that when you speak with him about it, he has a way of just making you feel comfortable that, you know, he is in no way judging you and in no way is um his views anything he he really just he lets he lets you speak to him and and just kind of gives you a little guidance he's he's absolutely just a fantastic person
0: <laughs> How much stronger has going th- through all this made you
1: I feel like the strength in knowing yourself is something that you can't underestimate um, knowing your Knowing your highs and lows, your strengths and your weaknesses is absolutely everything. And it has made me a much more compassionate leader in, in my industry. I feel I feel like it's given me a new lease on how life is. I, I think I went through a blissful existence of ignorance to the world of this for, you know, a, a short amount of time in my lifespan compared to some people and I feel like it has made me a, a much better person because now I, I can recognize when things are, are coming on as opposed to sitting back and letting it happen. I, I, I'm more preventative in my, in my health with the way that I sit back and, and let myself... Feel all these things, and I, I think I, it makes me so much stronger of a person because now I I can understand how I feel, and I can understand all the pain and and the suffering I've been through in my life. So when somebody else comes to me and 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 I can see that they have something wrong, I feel it's a strength that a lot of people don't necessarily have that that empathy, that compassion for for other people without without them telling you. I feel like it's almost a superpower now that I it's 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 a blessing and a curse at the same time because i can take on the the pain of somebody else when when they're standing beside me i can i can tell how they're feeling because i am so open and intuitive with my own self and i feel like it's it's made me a stronger person because i you know maybe i have that staff member that came in that morning that's normally quite chipper and you know ready to do their job but for the last week they've really been showing you know that they they're not there they're not in it and I find that in taking them aside and speaking with them and just, you know, hey, how's your life going? How's, how is, you know, your wife, your kids, your, you know, your sister, your family, whatever happens to be the case, and, and having them kind of feel that comfort in, in knowing that they have somebody there that actually cares, and I think that's a strength that that came out of this that is invaluable to the world. It, uh, if people could be more in touch with with themselves, I feel like they could be more in touch with how everyone else is and I, f- I find you, you turn yourself from that boss role to that leader role and it really makes a big difference.
0: Where can someone go for help if they do think they have a problem?
1: There's so many outlets. I, I mean, I think a professional help is absolutely 100% the, the, the best way of getting an educated uh, explanation and understanding to where you're at whether it be you know a counselor somewhere or or just going to your family physician going to you know a psychiatrist I know that sounds all oh no I, can't. I don't want to go there I'm not crazy and it's not that you're crazy it's just that you you want to understand yourself and you have to understand that going to professionals about it doesn't make you less and and um, I'd say going uh, going to a friend is an amazing start going just just find that person you trust. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's maybe it's your son or daughter that you can talk with about it. Maybe maybe it's a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle. Anybody. The, I think the first step is just opening up to someone you trust and letting them help you through. I I have a brother that is um, bipolar and um, and a schizophrenic, and and he had been going through a lot of things in his life. And mental illness is very relevant to me and my family. And so when I felt it it was so easy and comfortable for me to walk up to my brother and say hey man this is what's going on with me right now do you have do you have any you know advice is this something you feel is this you know are these you know thoughts and feels that I am having right now something relevant can you can you give me any perspective on that and and for me having my brother was everything he was the one that came to the hospital with me he was the one that you know, told me I didn't need to take the medication if it wasn't working. And and it was fantastic to have somebody like that by my side. And, you know, and even my best friend at that point didn't understand. She was like, why aren't you going out with us anymore? Why aren't you, you know, and it's sometimes the person you think could be, you know, your best ally in this is absolutely the worst person and and they're just telling you to shake it off and and to get over something. And and that's just simply not the case. It's, It's not, if it was that easy, my gosh, wouldn't we all just do it? But, uh uh, I find just reaching out to someone you trust and and finding that person, you know, whether hey, you can reach out to me if you want to send me an inbox on Twitter and just say hey, I'm I'm feeling these things. What what are your, you know, thoughts and and how can you help? And and uh, you know, if that's the case, if it's some just total stranger that you want to reach out to, that's that's absolutely perfect. But I think you just have to know that reaching out is the only way to really help. If you hold it in, it's just going to eat you alive.
0: Where can somebody find you on? Twitter, Mo?
1: Oh, um, my My name on Twitter is at Mo's Cakes, and, and um, I, I'm, my Twitter profile is open to send me inbox messages and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, if, if anybody feels the need to, you know, open up about something like that, I'm absolutely there, 100%,
0: for sure. You're involved in a lot of things besides talking about your anxiety tussles. <laughs> also, earlier this year, you attended a women's and golf event and wrote a mm-hmm. great story for us. What are some other things you're working on? What are some other efforts and initiatives you'd like to see come along in the next year or so?
1: I'm actually going to, um, be speaking at the Canadian, um, golf conference about anxiety this winter. It's, um, I'd say that's probably one of the bigger passions of mine is, is mental health. Um, I've gone through so much of it with everybody. I I love seeing the Women in Golf initiative. I I love seeing women open up to this. I I live in a very female-rich area of this industry. I feel I didn't realize there, there was such a lack of women. I I mean it's obvious when I go to a seminar or an event that there's only ten of us out of like the five hundred people. But I I just in my area I can name probably ten different women that I've kind of been around and mentored and and. And mentored by and and that was I feel that's it's super interesting because it's such a cool industry and and I don't know guy girl whoever I think it's just cool to get into. I feel like I would like to see I would like to see people going into schools and and this happening a lot more and, and getting kids interested in such a unique job force because golf is just something everybody sees as a as a game and as a you know, uh, a way of going out and spending some time with some friends or getting some exercise where it's it's a lifestyle. Golf, being in, in the maintenance department, is, is a lifestyle that, you know, I don't think many people understand exists. And I, I like I like the idea of opening up a lot more to the younger people about what kind of a cool world it could be if they choose to work outside and, and don't go for that, you know, stereotypical go to university for, you know, a... Uh, counting because you get a good specific goal and and you know exactly what you want golf is so so different and there's so many i mean there's everything from a you know a nine hole course with a hundred thousand dollar budget to you know multi-million dollar clubs that are hosting these big events and everything in between and, and there's just so much opportunity so i, I think that is something that i i'm looking to get more involved in is is getting the younger generations interested in in a game that seems to be uh slightly archaic and and uh it needs it needs some fresh blood to to really open the doors and make it maybe we need to revolutionize the way that we we have staff and the way that we do things to make it a more compelling industry for for people to want to choose but uh, yeah i think that's something i i really like
0: Dang, Mo! This was really inspirational, and it was powerful, and it was certainly informative. Thank you so much for sharing your story, and thank you for your contributions to GCI, including your wonderful Turf Heads Takeover piece. So, uh, okay. thanks again for all this, and we are definitely going to catch up with you again soon.
1: Definitely. Thank you guys for you know giving me the opportunity. That's, it's great to to have the ability to have an outlet like that to, to be able to get stories like this out there. You guys do great things. It's fantastic.